0: Welcome to Funeral Potatoes for the Singles Ward. Tune in to today's taboo topic with Kaylee and Tracy.
1: We're ready. Let's do this. Okay.
0: Man, I feel like, I don't know. I felt like this one, this like getting together this episode was like a little bit messier than the part one. Of yeah, this, it was. You know?
1: Honestly, it was. I felt like it was harder because there were things that I was finding that I was like, oh, this is really exciting, only to realize Mm -hmm. that it was in the first episode. So I was like, dang it. Like, what
0: the heck? (laughs) Right, though. Oh, my goodness. We've already talked about everything we could possibly talk about. I was like, why were
1: we so thorough in our first time around?
0: Like, why couldn't we have left things out? (laughs) Well, and then, like, my problem was, like, I wanted to find, like, some, like, super, like... Things that are like very well, not well known, so they're not seriously like documented except for in their original documentation that mm-hmm. is not easily accessible, especially online. So, like that means I have to go read like five books, and I don't have time for that. Yeah. Like a few of the pieces I pulled are from scraps of books that I did not read, but I referenced from screenshots, so I was typing them out. All right. So you know, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop complaining because I love doing this these all the same as hard as this one might have been and i want to make sure that we continue to do just like a fun random sporadic <laughs> episode like this in each season that we do yeah so i already have like ideas for part three as well that will require research <laughs> i just couldn't get to it this time oh so, gosh we're get we're gonna have fun with this we're gonna have fun <laughs> it's gonna <be> great.
1: <laughs> so in case you all are confused about what we're talking about we are doing Part two of The Scandalous and Spiritual Scoop, which was originally episode 27 in our first season of the podcast. Um, So this is basically like a fact and fiction type of episode um, where we go into rumors, folklore, random
0: things from church history, and like... It's really just like a fun facts episode of things that we've discovered throughout our research and things that we stumble upon that are related to the church in one way or another.
1: Yeah, it's a hodgepodge of an episode, really.
0: <laughs> it is. <laughs> I love it.
1: Well, this week, we have quite a few things to talk about. We have fan fiction, folklore, and inspirational or crazy stories. We have stuff about church history. We have stuff about spies. We have yeah. rumors and completely false teachings and doctrinal insights. We have completely diverged from a different area than our first episode of this.
0: I mean, we did try to organize this a little bit. We tried. And it's going to be a beautiful mess. Okay. It's going to be like the better version of a Jackson Pollock painting because it's going to have purpose to it. It's going to be a mess because we're a mess. Let's be honest. We're beautiful messes.
1: Uh, (sighs) All right. So we're going to kick it off by talking about three Nephites fan fiction why not (laughs) what inspired this was kaylee found a tweet from june 22nd of this year 2021 by Mm -hmm. joa fussell i'm sorry if i'm saying this your username wrong who said where's the three nephites fan fiction it has to exist so naturally this led us to thinking Mm -hmm. about this very deeply and needing to find (laughs) said fan fiction So if you guys are wondering what we're talking about in regards to fan fiction, the stereotypical story about the three Nephites that always gets tossed around like Mormondom is something about three dudes in white showing up out of nowhere to either protect missionaries, a member, or like helping to fix a car that's broken
0: down. I mentioned three Nephites fan fiction to my dad, and he Mm -hmm. shared a story that he knew about, a rumor story, something about a polygamist and a temple and three men in the and three men in the temple and I was like tell me the story okay (laughs) I need to know I don't remember much okay so basically the guy was a polygamist, and like that, it was illegal by that point so he was hiding in his town by like pretending to like smoke a cigar and stuff because like they're like okay like he's like he's Mormon he's not gonna smoke a cigar so that's how he'd get around but then once he was but then one night like he started getting followed or something so like he hurried up off and went to like run to the temple and he was in charge of the temple at that time and so he was like okay like I need to hide and I need to make sure that the temple stays safe and then he goes there and he's like um there are three huge men in armor like surrounding the doors of the temple and so no one can get in so like what? that's what I remember I, I mean no I, I I don't know I don't I don't I don't know I don't so <laughs> wild I need, to find for it. I need to find more information, but I honestly do feel that there are so many of these stories everywhere. They're very much like I just shared. We get an oral story that's getting shared. It's not like really written down anywhere. Yep. We're just like, okay, I heard this. I heard that. It's It's gossip guys. It's gossip. Yep.
1: One quintessential example of this comes from the Salt Lake Tribune. So there's an article in Salt Lake Tribune from uh, let's see if I can find out when it's from, because I don't remember. But the st- the article is titled Mormon Myths from Hero Fantasies to Cautionary Tales. So you can just Google that. Um, but the story goes as such, quote, two women missionaries knock on a door. The man answering seems nervous and eager for them to leave. Later, the missionaries see a photograph of this man in the newspaper. Turns out he has been arrested in the murders of several young women, all about the same age as these missionaries the two women go to the police who allow them to talk to the suspect they ask him why he didn't harm them and he replies that he wasn't about to do anything to them with those three huge guys standing behind them so oh that's so <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a classic <laughs> example of like Karini <laughs> fights type fan fiction um oh, and it circulates all over the yes. church it's just ridiculous So, like we said, or like I said, I had to find said fan
0: fiction. I had to find real fan fiction. Like more than just a rumor, more than just gossip.
1: Yes. And guys, I found it. Oh my gosh. I found a story. It's a short story by David G. Pace called American Trinity. And it is published on the Dialogue Journal website. Um, you can read it in a PDF form or HTML form, whatever one you prefer. Um, I will say it is a pretty gruesome story. There is a lot of violence. There is a rape that happens really? in the oh, story. Nice. And it's a lot to take in. Wow. Um, wow. Not even remotely what I would have thought. Um, but I read it and I was like, oh, oh, gosh. Okay. So hmm. let me just throw that out there. Uh-huh. Violence and rape warning at the beginning of this story so the three nephites names are Jonas cumin and Zed they meet in New York City outside of a theater around the turn of the century in like somewhere in that time early 1900s. Jonas is known as the executive of the group who is like all about business and doing the Lord's work and bringing souls to him like he's very much a letter of the law kind of guy human is known as like the guardian angel who focuses on performing miracles and then like disappearing one example was he was in like utah valley around the time of like the pioneers this woman had just gotten to the valley she only had enough cornmeal to feed herself and her two sons he asks for food she feeds him and then he like gives her a never-ending supply of cornmeal, and then he disappears before she okay, can say thank like, you. Okay, uh, yeah.
0: Elijah. Yeah, basically like that. Yeah, exactly that. Okay. Yeah. And
1: okay. then the
0: last one
1: is Zed, and he is kind of like the humanist who really struggles with his identity and his calling as a 3 d fight because he's, seen, like, mm. he's okay. seen so much crap over the last hundreds I of mean, years.
0: Yeah, and he's about to see more.
1: Mm-hmm. He saw like... He saw the Gadianton robbers take over. He saw the destruction of his people. He saw just horrible things. And he's like, what What am I doing? Like, what is the point of all of this? Like, at this point, I don't even think Jesus is going to come back. So throughout the story, Zed recounts his calling to be one of the three Nephites. He recounts some of Cuman's miracles. And the moment that Zed realizes that he wants To be done with this calling, and he wants to finally die and like leave is right after the 1911 Triangle Fire in New York City. For those of you that aren't familiar with this story, it was a shirtwaist factory in New York that one a like line of shirts on the production line caught on fire, and then the entire floor caught on fire, and all of the teenage girls who were working in that part of the factory were jumping out of the windows to. Save themselves from the fire, but they all ended up dying.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. well known mainly for the reason of instigating legal debate and potential for workers' rights.
1: Yeah, so that's pretty much when he realizes he's like, "I'm out. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I gotta go find Jesus." Um, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna explain how the story ends, uh,
0: Tracy. but it is—it's
1: <laughs> thought-provoking and it's okay. interesting. That's fun. Yeah. So yeah, nice. okay. it's an interesting story. I yeah. was entertained reading it. It does make you think a lot about the three Nephites and all the crap that they've had to go through over the last, right. God only
0: knows how many centuries. But yeah, it's honestly, yes, I good. think about that sometimes, and I'm like, okay, do they remember everything that they do, or can they do like a me- mind reset, like a memory reset? Because who would want that? I don't know. Oh, interesting. Who knew? All right, I want to throw in some random fun facts into this because I didn't know some of these things. And I did want to make sure that we have like one or two, like, kind of uplifting things in this episode. So I've been scouring for random fun facts, such as the fact that the Salt Lake City Temple Square actually attracts over 5 million tourists every year. So not only does that make it the most popular attraction in the state, But Um, yeah, what else is there in Utah? (laughs) What else is there? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so that makes it the most popular attraction in the state. And it's in the top 15 of 25 attractions in the United States. So granted, this is from a report that's five years old and things have must have changed. But it was at least that way in 2016. And I don't understand. I mean, that's cool, but like, I don't understand that. The
1: top 15 out of 25? Are you
0: kidding me? yeah number 15 on 25 wild I know well and then like especially for us who's like who's we've lived in Orlando so I feel yeah. like there's probably like three popular attractions in there mm-hmm. one or two of the beaches and one or two of the parks honestly yeah. so then like I'm living here in Utah right now and I'm like for the last five years I've been to the Temple Square every Christmas because that's what my family likes to do so like I don't know it's it's like whatever wild absolutely wild all
1: right speaking of crazy a mormons do love a good crazy story about a miracle or a mysterious visitor or really anything else of that nature um because we like to prove that miracles are happening today and that the lord protects his saints or his followers in my research i saw that some are meant to really inspire people to be obedient while mm-hmm. others are meant to convince people to, like, join the church. But overall, these stories are all fake. They're not real. They're just made up by random people. Okay. So here's a few that we found. Um, Again, this is coming back to that Salt Lake Tribune story about Mormon myths and stuff like that. So the first story is, A pioneer woman puts a loaf of bread on a dish towel and takes it to the windowsill to cool. When she comes back, the bread and the towel are gone. Months later, her husband returns from his mission. As the woman unpacks his bags, she finds the towel. She quizzes her husband, who tells her about this day he had nothing to eat, and a passerby gave him the bread wrapped in the dish towel.
0: Oh.
1: It's cute. It's inspiring. I'm totally cute. made up, but it's cute. Hey, <laughs> Okay. Yeah.
0: Another one. All right. This
1: is, this is the one that, like, kills me. Okay, oh, goodness. so a couple pick up an old man hitchhiking along a deserted highway. After they travel for a bit, the stranger leans forward and tells the couple to get their year's supply of food storage. The couple turn around, but the back seat is empty. They pull off the road in shock. A police officer stops to see what's wrong, and he tells the couple that they are the eighth ninth or whatever person to tell oh him that goodness. same story that day
0: no <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh no i need follow-up details for the story did they get their food storage did they need it what happened <laughs> Give the results, it's, you always, guys.
1: it's always just like mysterious oh my <laughs> visitor it's uh-huh. never there's never any like true end of the story it's straight up set up in middle and that's it like there's no Mm. resolution nothing
0: it's Mm. poor writing these people are clearly not good storytellers no (laughs) all
1: right i like this one this one (laughs) is fun for me all
0: right
1: so this one says two lds missionaries call on a protestant minister who tells them gentlemen i have here a glass of poison if you will drink this poison and remain alive, I will join your church, not only myself, but my entire congregation. But he adds, If you won't drink this poison, well, then I'll conclude that you are false ministers of the gospel because surely your <laughs> Lord won't let you perish. That's
0: God. Why not? I that can't get wrong.
1: This puts the okay. missionaries in a bind, so they go off in a corner to discuss it. Oh, no. Finally, They return to the minister and they say, tell you what, you drink the poison and we'll raise (laughs) you from the dead. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) The minister accepts the challenge, drinks the poison, and dies in front of the missionaries. After five or so minutes, the missionaries extend their right hand and command him to rise. The minister was baptized the next day. It was only five minutes. What?
0: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I love it. I love it so much. Ridiculous. It was all polite. Play- it was a show. It's a whole Princess Bride moment where he
1: <clears throat> was
0: already used to the poison, and pretends and fakes, and was already converted. I know. The only <laughs> way this could be true in any way. Gosh.
1: I know. It is a good story. <laughs> all right. Next one. Also good because it makes no sense chronologically. So get ready for this one. In Mm -hmm. their infamous raid on Pearl Harbor, Japanese warplanes plan to target the Hawaiian LDS temple as well. But, during the entire attack, a thick cloud shrouds the edifice. At one point, a pilot attempts to drop a bomb on the hidden temple anyway. His equipment malfunctions, the bomb won't release. Mm -hmm. He continues flying and his bomb eventually releases into the ocean. Years after the war, the pilot returns to Hawaii for a vacation and he visits the temple grounds. While there, he receives distinct spiritual impressions that the temple is the house of God and he decides to join the church. His family later immigrates to Hawaii and is sealed in the temple he once tried to bomb. So now, chronologically, let's let's discuss this, shall we? Okay. When does Pearl Harbor happen?
0: 41. Yeah. Wait, though, I'm looking it up, though.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Would they have, do they have two Hawaiian temples? Yep. I I need all the information now. That one was not dedicated until
1: 1999. Yeah. So. So so Hawaii doesn't get statehood until 1959. Let's just throw that out first. Okay. So, like, at this point, Hawaii was just a U.S. territory that we had seized from Native Hawaiians. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. officially, like, a state. First of all, chronologically, this does not make sense for me. No. Second of all, there are just too many plot
0: holes in this. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't work out. Yeah. Yeah. Pearl Harbor is on Honolulu, and I don't think Honolulu Temple was created then. It also sets up the idea, which we tend to tie into Christianity alone in itself, Mm -hmm. um, but like America being better. Yeah. I don't have the words for that, but...
1: The other thing that like annoys me a little bit and maybe i'm just being nitpicky but mm-hmm. like why would a japanese bomber from world war ii suddenly decide to go on vacation to hawaii a few like years after bom- trying to bomb the heck out of that island
0: okay i'm trying to imagine fighting in a war and deciding to go back for vacation to the place that i tried to destroy I mean, okay, so I don't, I don't have any experience. So I can't say one way or another, maybe, maybe there are American soldiers who enjoy and now want to go explore Afghanistan because I think it's a beautiful nation and I would love to go visit there. Iraq. I'd love to explore the middle East, but yet this, it does not make sense to me. If someone can't refute us, then please do. Please do like, please, please enlighten me. I know for me, like
1: if I have to go like kill a bunch of people in a place, I'm not going to want to go vacation there.
0: It is a retelling of Alma the Younger. Younger. That's what Basically. it is. Yeah. That's literally what it is. I'm going to destroy the church. Oh, wait. I want to go be in the church. Yeah. Like, that's, 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 that's what it is. Interesting. All right. Any more for us, Tracy?
1: Yes, I have a few more. This one I did a little research on because I had questions. Nope so this says mormonism's famous swearing elder from the early 1900s jay golden kimball is rattling off a list of people named to church positions in a conference in utah county he can tell that the congregants are just raising their hands offering their sustaining votes without listening finally he says how many of you are in favor of moving mount nebo into utah lake again the voting (laughs) is unanimous To this day, some local LDS leaders repeat this legend before reading a long list of sustainings. Oh, my goodness. So this made me do some research because I wanted to know about this swearing elder. Yes, please. So Jay Golden Kimball was one of Heber C. Kimball's 65 children. I'm sorry, what? 65 children because Heber C. Kimball was a polygamist. How many wives did he have?
0: I did not look that up. I I understand. I I get it. You can have a lot of sex and you can have a lot of wives. But to like bring about that many children. Like didn't he ever say, I've got 30. That's enough. Apparently not.
1: 65 is 60 too many for me. Like I don't mm -mm, know. So Jay Golden Kimball later becomes an apostle in 1892. And he served as an apostle for 47 years. And he was in fact known for swearing from the pulpit during talks at a local what? level and during conferences. Yes. Hey. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I'm about it. Made me happy. I'm like, wow, <laughs> Jay Golden Kimball can swear oh from the goodness. pulpit. That means I can too. That's crazy. Not that I will, but it was nice. Oh my goodness. And then I think right. you have one down here.
0: I, I I need to read so much more into this because it is based on a book, based on other books, which are journals. So, Michael Van Wagenen wrote a book. His book is called Singular Phenomena The Evolving Mormon Interpretation of Unidentified Flying Objects. Shut so, up. there's a book about Mormons and UFOs. Shut up. And I don't know why this does not have more hive. I need to find this and I need to read it. So, his book states that on the same day Joseph Smith got the golden plates, That Heber C. Kimball, who you just mentioned, plus Brigham Young's father and younger sister saw an entire squadron of UFOs. Shut up. I don't know why. Like we don't talk about this. Why don't Don't we talk about this? (laughs) Especially for a church who is like, okay, we've talked about other planets. We've talked about life beyond this. We've talked about other worlds. And yet we like literally will cut it off. We'll nip it in the bud right there. We do not go any further because, because why not? Like, why not? Like if we believe in other worlds, if we believe in all of that, then clearly like there's something out there and we're just like, okay, that's good enough. Like what, what, no, what is that? No, never (laughs) enough. Okay. So Van Wagenen found excerpts from old journals. And so that's how he fills up most of the book. And so I've got um, a quote from Kimball and he says how a white smoke arise, arose, toward the heavens as it ascended it formed itself into a belt and made a noise like the sound of a mighty wind and continued southwest forming a regular bow dipping in the western horizon after the bow had formed it began to widen out and grow clear and transparent of a bluish cast it grew wide enough to contain 12 men of rest
1: oh my gosh
0: I'm like trying to like imagine like what that could even like count as like because you know like everyone who discounts this kind of stuff is going to say okay here's this reason here's this logical explanation so either like he was high there was something in the air or there was really something in the air
1: oh my what gosh <laughs> I don't well know. that that makes me wonder now kaylee have you ever yep. seen a
0: ufo i have not no um i prefer to keep it that way as we talked about in the ghosts episode, I, I don't want to see that stuff. I want to know about it, but I don't want to see it for myself. <laughs> have you? I have not, but my dad swears that he saw <laughs> one when he was in college. Really? Yeah. Oh my
1: goodness. Yeah. Mm. He said that he was driving home for the weekend and he hit this stretch of road where there were just like fields on either side of him. There wasn't much around. It's like the seventies. So, you know, he's kind <laughs> of a weed smoking hippie at this point. <laughs> um so he's driving like looking at the stars as he's going and he noticed that there was this one star that kept moving in 90 degree angles like what yeah like he said that he Mm. remembers looking up and there was this bright star he thought it was a star that went straight down and then Uh like straight to the right in a 90 degree angle and then it went shot back up and it went to the left again and then it went down and then it went to the left again and it was only moving in 90 degree angles and he's like and i'm pretty much positive that was a ufo
0: and i was like wow oh that's interesting we need all the ufo stories now i know especially when they're related to church leaders
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah agreed oh my goodness
0: Okay, another fun fact to share. I called it the Mormon Tabernacle Choir "Motab" because I still cannot remember what their new name is. Because the new name like is here... long
1: and stupid, and I exactly. don't like it.
0: They should have just like officially called themselves the Motab. The Tabernacle like, Choir at Temple Square. Who has time to say I don't that? Know what it is. Yeah, and they travel, so they're not always at the square. So yeah. what's the, what's the point? They are considered the oldest singing group in America which I is very weird and I I, I, I honestly don't believe this. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I just have a hard time accepting this. It, yeah. It's just me, maybe. but technically it was founded in Salt Lake City in 1847. So like that was less than a month after the Pioneers arrived.
1: Maybe it's considered the oldest singing group because it's like the oldest continuous singing group. like, yeah, I'm sure there were others that were developed before, but they like disbanded mm-hmm. or like came back together like yeah, hundreds of years later or something. And yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Because, yeah, yeah, no, it definitely wouldn't be like the only singing group that existed up to that point. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. It, it's weird. just
0: weird to think. And then granted, like, it's it's still America. So for our recordings and for a certain part of civilization, like America, in quotes, only started in a certain century True. so we only started keeping track of certain information as we went along well
1: hmm.
0: so there, there could be older thing groups that started and still kind of like went on but they might be considered different things or they're just not noted down I don't know yeah although another fun fact is Ronald Reagan so kindly called it America's Choir yeah Okay, so going into sorry, I had to double check something on here, okay, so there has been some proof found in basically in eighteen eighty in brigham Young's day they for the temple, they had a prayer roll okay. um and for those who don't know, a prayer roll is basically like a document with scraps of paper or one large piece of paper filled with names of people who are specifically getting prayed for while completing ordinances within the temple. But in Brigham Young's Day, they also had a curse role. Mm-hmm. So I need to do more <laughs> research into this. I need but to know
1: more about this.
0: Honestly, yes. It feels like witchcraft, honestly. Yeah. Like, because I, 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 cause I saw the Conjuring uh, 34 that came out. And like, that's Aww. all that's on my mind. But it's popular in witchcraft in commercialized witchcraft concepts that you write a name down and then like do a little spell and then like you have curse that person so that's the impression that I get when I think a temple curse roll like they've got that's a role of names, so people, they want to curse that is wild So I don't have I do not have enough words for this I want to know more I want to know how it got started who approved this did Joseph Smith approve this or was it Brigham Young because I could see it being Brigham Young I, I just know. I have no words for this like I am just baffled <laughs> Speaking of also, so we all know that it was Hinckley who put together the guidance of you shouldn't wear tattoos, you should only have single piercings and one in each ear, and Mm -hmm. no boys should have them. So this is not doctrine, you guys, this is a suggestion. That wasn't always the case. We had early church members with earrings, the men. Yes, but there's a picture from the 1997 Teachings of the Prophets with Brigham Young in the Brigham Young manual. So it's an older one, which is not being used anymore. Okay, there is a picture of John Henry Smith, who is the father of George Albert Smith, with his wife. John Henry Smith was also a future apostle and future counselor in the first presidency, and it has him wearing an earring. I think if I remember correctly, it was like a little hoop with like a pearl on the end or something.
1: I'm it, looking it up.
0: Okay. All right, while you're looking up i do have a little bit like more fun information so we also have another picture of a bishop bishop samuel a Woolley. that's two o's two l's e y wooley of salt lake and we've got pictures of him as a bishop wearing an earring so i was trying to do a little bit more insight more research into this and i was following a twitter thread on this and so while we're still trying to figure out how popular it was for men to wear earrings it was common for sailors so make of that what you will i don't know if they were sailors or not um but it was acceptable at least in like certain social circles i don't know the entirety of of what the stigmas were back then did you find it
1: yes so there Mm -hmm. is here's the picture of john henry smith we'll put it in the uh Instagram post for the episode yes. um John Henry Smith he is definitely wearing earrings of some kind I'm trying to zoom in to see yeah they do look kind of like a hoop with a little like bead okay, at yeah. the bottom mm-hmm. um there was also another one that I saw of Samuel Woolley mm-hmm. and he had yeah. like a little hoop okay is that what a very is? tiny okay. hoop yeah hmm so I will save these Fair images nice. and add them to the Instagram post for this episode.
0: It's just so fascinating to learn like what was going on and how we've adjusted and changed through the times um, because like, I've never liked the, the policing that gets done on the way that we look um, yeah. within like church guidelines and everything. Like it, it just, it doesn't make sense. Like, do you want to treat our, our bodies like temples? Sure. But that doesn't mean having to look a certain way.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Very interesting. Okay, so for our next point, you said you were gonna do a little bit more research. I tried.
1: I Um, exhausted all of my resources. Oh goodness. So this one, we found a tweet again. Thank you, Twitter. Yeah, thank you, Twitter. You're giving (laughs) us so much good information. Um so there is a group in BYU Idaho specifically called the Brotherhood for Gay Men. This is a group where you have to be referred by a bishop or a professor on campus. So it's a whole bunch of gay men, like men who know they are gay on campus, but are like usually in hetero relationships. So they are kind of together to like bemoan the fact that they are gay, but they don't live a gay life if that makes sense like they're living a very closeted heterosexual life but they all talk about how they are gay openly with one another
0: so it's like a support group but not a support group
1: yes because in order to get into this group again you have to be referred by a bishop or professor um once you're referred you get picked up off the street at a random location by strangers What? what And you are taken to a secondary location where they interview you
0: you never go to a second location secondary you die
1: so like the example that i saw on this on twitter was this guy was supposed to meet these random people at like a cvs parking lot essentially so he had to go to the cvs wait for this specific car to show up and then he was supposed to get in the car with two people he didn't know and drive somewhere. And then they would have their meeting of the brotherhood for gay men. And when he found out that he had to get in a car with strangers and go to another location, he said, Nabi,
0: I'm good. I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a not do this. I feel like my brain has stopped working because I cannot fathom that. Like I'm granted, I can't, I can't imagine like how hard it is to live a life where you don't, Feel that you are allowed to live the way that you are, that you were born to be. Yeah. But like... But wait, it gets so much worse. (laughs) No.
1: So some of the men in this group really like it. Other men don't. They think it's stupid. To attend these meetings, these meetings focus on chaste touching and intimacy. But you are not allowed to stand up. You are not allowed to cross your legs or tilt your chair back. Your feet have to be on the ground at all times. So basically... I it's am imagining. Orgy. Yeah, I'm imagining that they are playing gay chicken with one another at this thing and trying mm. to make sure that nobody gets an erection. That's basically what I'm assuming. So I tried very hard to ask my gay guy friends who I know went to BYU Idaho mm-hmm. and were openly gay on campus. Like, I tried okay. very hard to ask them about it. And they were like, No, I, I haven't heard of this. I didn't experience this, but I'll okay, ask around. And they asked around too, real. and they couldn't find anything. But there were people on that thread on Twitter that were confirming that they had been to meetings. So I don't oh, know. Like oh my gosh.
0: So it's either a rumor or and they're really good storytellers or it's just a very well kept secret, which to yeah. be fair, like I don't understand keeping wanting to keep something like that very private. Yeah. Like Now that we're spilling the beans here, I don't think they would appreciate that, but it does open your eyes to one strategy that some people are taking in order to kind of be who they are and follow the beliefs that they have. This situation does not look healthy to me. No. I don't want to say what is right or what is wrong in this situation because I don't feel like that's something I can say, but- I feel like there's a better way to do that. I just feel like if I
1: was married to a man who was in this club and he was going to like have quote-unquote chaste touching and intimacy with other men who are also gay but hiding it, I would not be happy with my husband doing that. I'd be like, I'm sorry, no one is allowed to be doing this level of intimacy and touching with you besides me. Right that would be Sorry. upsetting and frustrating and like sad yeah all at the same time so I'm not about it but then again that's just me
0: yes there are organizations that I would like to think are good that are set up to help LGBTQ plus community members and church members this may not be the best one yeah but it's a very interesting one nonetheless okay anyways So I did want to share a fun follow-up. So last time, we highlighted Brigham Young's son, B. Morris Young, had a drag persona, Madame Paterini. So Madame Paterini performed at Lorenzo Snow's birthday party in 1901. So that's saying that church leaders knew about this and accepted it Mm -hmm. and enjoyed it. And adding on to it. Yeah.
1: He had his own brand of gin as well that he was serving at the event.
0: Oh, oh. Mm-hmm. That sounds like the most epic party. Yeah, right. I would like to replicate that. I will wear a fake beard to fit in at that party.
1: Well, I mean, to be fair, you could have that party now. It's just called going to a drag brunch, but I mean, that's true. Tomato, that's true. tomato.
0: Hey. So it, I, I just, I just love these little snippets of our history that we're learning about. I love it. Another sort of fun fact that's more modern um, about the LDS Church is how the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints is pretty much now it's Florida's largest private landowner. So we're big in agriculture. Mm-hmm. In 1997, the LDS Church had the largest beef ranch in the Deseret Ranches. The church owns Ag Reserves Inc. And that is the largest producer of nuts in the country. Not only that, but the church also owns farmland in Canada, Mexico, Brazil, Argentina, New Zealand, Australia, and Great Britain. Wild. At this point, I wouldn't be surprised if it's like if there's a little bit more, because the information I got was still a couple of years old. Insane to think about and really weird. Crazy. This episode is just, like, weirder and weirder as we go through I it. know. We're just,
1: like, devolving further and further. We're sorry, guys. We're That's taking it. you to the dark hole of conspiracy theories now. Seriously? Have fun with that. As yeah. if we weren't crazy enough on our own, we're just going further.
0: We're feeding the crazy mm-hmm. at this point. We're just yeah. letting it flow. Yes. All right. So you heard this word earlier, and we're going to say it again. Spies. not going to be what you expected. It's not going to be a fun one. I'm really sorry. We highlighted this um, happenstance, the situation a little bit, I think two or three episodes ago at, in our second to last episode in our Pride series, mm-hmm. um, but we're going to go a little bit deeper into it. Ernest Wilkinson, president of BYU, fight against liberal, thoughts and quotations, professors at BYU. So the information that we were able to find was found in Matthew L. Harris's book, Ezra Taft Benson and the Making of the Mormon Rite. So it's not even like solely about Wilkinson. It's just like, here's Wilkinson. Here's the garbage things that he did because it all tied back to Benson because it's what Benson wanted. Just a reminder, we love the gospel, but like people are really not perfect. There's a lot of twisted ideas out there. People make it really hard for me to love the church sometimes. Yes. And it just makes me a little bit more glad that I did not attend BYU. Same. Same. All right, so starting off in 1966, Stephen Covey, one of Wilkinson's assistants, submitted a 54 page confidential report outlining several charges against Pohl. So Pohl was a history professor. Among the offenses included Paul's affiliation with the BYU chapter of the American Association of University Professors, hit with his inviting liberal activists to campus and his critique of the naked communists, which appeared to criticize President McKay. The American Association of University Professors was a union, so Benton, in fact, instructed. Ernest Wilkinson to fire Pohl, claiming that it's not in the best interest of the church for way out and out liberals to be placed in teaching and leadership positions at BYU. Benson demanded that Wilkinson not extend a contract to Professor Pohl and some of the other socialists who've been teaching on the campus at BYU. So, in Benson's zeal to oust liberal faculty at the church owned school, He collaborated with Ernest Wilkinson to establish a spy ring and requested that his son, Reed, lead it. Although Wilkinson refused to hire Reed for such purposes, he supported students spying on faculty. The spy ring lasted about a year, but was abruptly shut down when senior apostles learned about it. Pole was not fired but left BYU shortly thereafter amid harassment from the administration. Wilkinson's surveillance of certain faculty revealed the lengths that he and Benson were willing to go to to scotch out liberal thought at BYU. In addition, Benson scrutinized liberal publications and complained that there were too many left-wing periodicals in the school's library. He urged Wilkinson to purchase right-wing journals like the American Opinion to offset the liberal bias.
1: Oh my gosh, gag me
0: yeah so the things i got out of it got out of this is that you can't be a socialist but nepotism is always allowed Of course, which rings true in too many situations okay well along with that yes there is still a list that is kept by the church at mormon headquarters in salt lake city there's a heresy watch list i've heard this confirmed by different people whether they were teachers or students um i want to do more research to see if there is anything about this but 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 it's there but honestly with the honor council that is still going on students are more than invited to make accusations against their fellow students and against faculty just like there's so much that can happen and can be said and i think it's a crazy mess that yeah all needs to go away like
1: you know it will make it go away
0: hmm Getting rid of BYU. Burning it to there the ground and
1: just getting rid of it. Yes.
0: Put something better there. Okay, question though. Yes. Do you think with this podcast, we will ever end up on one of those lists? For sure. Do you think we're already on one?
1: I don't know. Maybe. I mean, if President Ballard listened <laughs> to the podcast after I wrote him a letter, Uh-oh. we're probably hey. on it by
0: now. So Hello. Yeah. They know our names then, Tracy. That's so exciting. <laughs> We're on a special list. Oh, I mean,
1: at this point, I mean, we're all we're doing is inviting people to come into Christ, but we're also talking about things that people don't want to talk about. So we're probably on a list Mm -hmm. somewhere. And Mm -hmm. honestly, I feel like my life would not be complete if I wasn't on at least one watch list. It feels right. Like, I don't I don't feel bad. I'm not going to stop doing what I'm doing. Like, I want to be on a watch list. Watch me. What are you going to do? Take my records away. Okay, go ahead. I'm still going to love Jesus. I'm still going to be a good person. I'm still going to read the
0: scriptures. Like, go ahead, Mm -hmm. do your worst. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I was talking to my friend who's left the church and she's like, Hey, like you, your beliefs have changed a lot. Like, especially like with your podcast that she's listened to, like sporadically, she's like, what if they do remove your records? And it's like, yeah, we could be on a list. We could have our records removed, Um, but that doesn't change our faith. No, no one can take away our relationship with our heavenly parents. Yeah. We still have that. Anyways, yeah. if you guys have more information about like all this crazy stuff with spies and hair lists and other watch lists about BYU and the church, we would love to know more. Yeah, please let us know. Email us at funeralpotatoesforsingles
1: at gmail.com or DM oh. us on Instagram or Twitter.
0: On to other more doctrine related things. All right. So we have, we
1: covered this in episode 27, our part one of the scandalous and spiritual scoop that we have heard in gospel doctrine some very wild teachings like cain is bigfoot or that adam and eve didn't have blood while they were in the garden of eden (laughs) so like i forgot about that if you (laughs) don't remember those stories go back and listen to episode 27 because they're a a good one so the more we perpetuate these wild ass teachings the more confused people end up getting about the church and the more we sound like a cult. So here are some teachings that we found that are completely false, but people spread like they are true. These are all false. I need to emphasize this. They are all false. One teaching is that in the spirit world, when people found out we were born or raised during Hankley's time, they will bow to us. The story okay. is... Boyd K. Packer and other church leaders like President Monson and President Iring are quoted in a persistent chain email as having said to a group of LDS youth, which says, quote, You were in the war in heaven, and one day when you are in the spirit world, you will be enthralled with those you were associated with. You will ask someone in which time period they lived, and you might hear, I was with Moses when he parted the Red Sea, or I helped build the pyramids, or I fought with Captain Moroni. And as you are standing there in amazement, someone will turn to you and ask, which prophet's time did you live in? And when you say Gordon B. Hinckley, a hush will fall over every hall, every corridor in heaven and all in the audience will bow at your presence. You were held back 6,000 years because you were the most talented, the most obedient, the most courageous, and the most righteous. Are you still? Remember who you are, end quote so that
0: mufasa here unbelievable
1: once again this claim is entirely false and has been repeatedly disavowed by the church (laughs) a letter in february 2008 reads quote a statement has been circulated that asserts in part that the youth of the church today were generals in the war in heaven and someone will ask you which of the prophets did you live in and when you say gordon b Hinckley, a hush will fall and all in attendance will bow at your presence This is a false statement. It is not church doctrine, and none of the brethren have made this statement, end quote. So please know know. that this is not true. I'm sorry to burst your bubble.
0: We don't need that.
1: So another teaching is that Elder Bednar warned of persecution following Mitt Romney's Republican candidate nomination in 2012. This is also false. Oh, great. Another email circulated in 2012, claiming that Elder Bednar warned of persecution following Mitt Romney's nomination as the Republican candidate for president. The alleged warnings were, quote, persecution to the church would increase and be more intense than any yet experienced in our lifetime. Sacred elements of the church would be disparaged and our testimonies would be tested, end quote. These have all been proven false. A letter was written to all seminaries and institutes in the USA from the church telling people to denounce those rumors and label them as spurious, distorted, and inaccurate. Thankfully, I was Baby. on my mission at this point, so I did not have to hear this letter because yep. I would have been like, y'all are dumb. Hey. So, whatever. Mm-hmm. Alright, and then a couple other teachings we found came from Twitter, again from that same thread that I had just mentioned a couple minutes ago about people hearing weird things that were taught in gospel doctrine that are false. Yeah. So one, God has His finger constantly on the prophet's kill switch in case He ever leads the oh church my astray.
0: Gosh.
1: I love that one.
0: <laughs> um, the other one—that one, one's funny and yet like so false. Like, <laughs> anyways. Oh
1: gosh. The next one: We all will have to go back to pioneer times during the millennium or second coming. There will be no e- electricity, et cetera, and we all have to pull hand cards back to Missouri.
0: I was on that Twitter thread because that like, I tried to play it cool, but like that's, that's, that is exactly what I grew up believing. And I was like, I'm going to hate it. I want to be dead for this. I do not want to be alive for this because of course we're always being taught that like, we're going to be the ones that are going to be here for the second coming. And I'm like, if it comes tomorrow, I would rather die Mm -hmm. than lose all electricity and pull a stupid wagon handcart, like to Utah.
1: President Uchtdorf has also come out and said that we all do not have to go to Missouri during the second coming. That we don't have to congregate
0: there because we will have electricity and we will watch them on TV. Well, that's not the reason why. But Um. he said because
1: Zion is where the saints are. So wherever Mm. you are in the world is where Zion is. And oh. we don't have, to, we will not have to congregate in one place at the time of the second coming. So, like, anyone that's thinking that we all have to go to Adam on Diamond,
0: get the hell out of here. Like, it is no. pretty though. I will, I will give you that. I have well, yeah, because it's a it whole bunch pretty. of
1: fields. Like, of course it's going to be and Nobody's there. Yeah, that's why it's pretty. Mm-hmm. It's not special. Anyways, so the next one is that Satan can hear what we say, but he can't read our minds, which <laughs> let me just say. <laughs> If Satan has the power to influence our thoughts, to think bad thoughts, why would he not have the power to read our thoughts as well? He's just get, trying to guess what we're thinking. No. Anyways, huh. that one annoys me. So, another one is huh. one that I wish was true, but really is not uh-huh. true. It is that current temple recommend holders get a discount at Marriott Hotels. What? Yeah. I wish that was true. Uh. I so wish it was true, but it
0: is not true. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. Here is a few things I found because like what I've said before, the beginning of this church was a lot that we do not get to explore on a regular enough basis. So Joseph Smith started teaching about the second coming. Mm-hmm. So he's the one who predicted that the second coming would happen in a year without rainbows. Like that's, that's, that's what I grew up with. Like, I don't know if you, did he grow up with that? No what
1: let me tell you something i know we've said this before Uh, but east coast uh, mormons do not have weird-ass folklore about the church that is strictly a utah and west coast thing we do not do that none of that happens on the east coast none of it we're not insane that's
0: crazy yes so i am still trying to like scrub that like very clean out of my brain because we we got it we gotta have limits. okay Interestingly enough, though, he also did believe that it would happen specifically in the year of 1891. I do not remember why, but I do know that he was wrong. Obviously. (laughs) Obviously, (laughs) (laughs) But there's more. Okay, diving into something else. He had some beliefs about the Ten Tribes um, that really caught my attention. So One belief that he shared... (laughs) is that the lost tribes of israel are hiding under the ice caps the north pole his alternative theory was then that they are actually hidden on pieces of earth removed from the planet to be rejoined at a later time that's it i'm leaving i'm leaving the church guys
1: i can't do this anymore
0: personally if i'd been recruited back then and been hearing all these beliefs i'd be like this is too much y'all I feel like this
1: is a good example of when you give a man too much power in a platform (laughs) he doesn't know how to act and so he just Mm -hmm. says random crap
0: he was like it's his job he's like "Uh, well clearly no one knows about the North Pole so uh, they're hiding right there oh wait someone did just go to the North Pole I lied they're in space. he's kind of like trying it out as he goes and he's like this feels good let me write this down i cannot Um, i cannot this is one of the reasons why we probably don't know about so much because it's just a little on the crazy side prophets are allowed to be wrong let's just say that leaders and authoritative figures are allowed to be wrong you can have the spirit with you and still be wrong and that's okay anyway so those were all false teachings
1: that have been shared in gospel doctrine or just by crazy crazy members of the church
0: somewhere in the world i thought my childhood was so normal
1: no kaylee it was not it It would explain
0: a lot (laughs) 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 a lot about me (laughs) oh my gosh oh that's great goodness okay So we're going to round this off with a few uh, fun doctrine insights that we also wanted to kind of highlight. So you've probably already thought about this, and I'm sure half of our listeners have as well. Um, But I hadn't considered it this way. So Mm -hmm. someone shared that people are told in their patriarchal blessing that they will live to see the second coming. I know people who've had that written in their their patriarchal blessings like i i've known that i've known people my age and i've known people who are older than me and i've known people who've died Mm -hmm. who had that in their blessings um i don't and i'm okay with that but the thing is like since the second coming happens after the resurrection it's a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah we're all gonna live to see it we're, we're all gonna we're all gonna love to see it yeah. I feel like someone just like put down a rake and then I stepped on it and I'm like oh it makes sense yeah so, because and it's driven me crazy because not only does the church like kind of teach like each generation that hey you're gonna be the ones who are here for this mm-hmm. um but it's it's also my very white conservative homeschooling education that taught me that we are a chosen generation the hero generation that will right all the wrongs in the world and be here for the ultimate the epitome of peace and prosperity and the future and the end of yeah. all problems all that whole mess so to hear this it was it was just very comforting to not just stress about it i always struggle with that because
1: I remember hearing the term the rising generation for the first time when I was in like youth Sunday school. And my young women's leader at the time was very straight up about it. She's like, I don't even know who the rising generation is at this point, because they called my generation the rising generation when she was in youth Sunday school. And she was like in her 40s at this point. Mm -hmm. So she was like a teenager in the 80s. And she's like, yeah, yeah, they called us the rising generation. And there was even a song by Janice Cat Perry about it. And I'm going to find it and I'm going to play it what? for you in a minute. Yeah. I mean,
0: I feel a little betrayed, but like, good. I need all these preconceived notions to be like rubbed off my mind.
1: Okay, let me see if I can play a sample of this for you. This is a classic. I love this song. I'm not even going to lie. Uh-huh. I love this song. It's <laughs> ridiculous.
0: Oh, goodness. Okay. Bring okay. it. In a yeah. place before this time, we each plant with heart and mind that our lives
1: oh. upon this earth yep. would reflect our royal birth. So we'll
0: stand up and walk away from the evils of our day. We'll stand up with courage, pride, and speak the lie. It gets
1: worse. We are the rising generation, oh, rising high.
0: Have I not heard the from this. every nation rising high, rising high, with eyes firmly missed upon eternal
1: exaltation? We are rising high, rising high. Okay, you get what I'm talking about now?
0: I, I do, I know exactly, <laughs> and it upsets me so much.
1: My <laughs> I love that song not because it's good in any way shape or form mm-hmm. but because it brings such deep joy and satisfaction to my life knowing that there is a song in the church that i can openly make fun of and <laughs> have a grand old
0: time as with. if you don't make fun of like half the hymns i know i totally do
1: but you do. <laughs> even more so with this song the only other young woman that was my age and I found it in the library. We listened to it, and we heard this song, and we played it eight times in a row because we could not get enough oh, of it, and we could not stop laughing the entire time we listened to it. <laughs> so amazing! It's a
0: great song. Oh my Anyways, gosh.
1: I'm thank you for joining me on this journey. I hope you all enjoyed it.
0: <laughs> More coming not. in the future. Thank you very much. <laughs> I will come again. <laughs> Okay, moving
1: on to Word of Wisdom changes. Uh. So we've talked about the Word of Wisdom before in our first season. I don't remember which episode number it is. You'll have to do the homework on your own. But we did talk about how the Word of Wisdom was basically created because Emma Smith was pissed about constantly having to clean up tobacco in the top floor of the Kirtland Temple where they would have meetings And making coffee for the dudes all the time. So she complained to Joseph about it. And that's what like pushed him or motivated him to ask the Lord about the word of wisdom. Mm -hmm. Um, The interesting thing about the word of wisdom, though, is that church leaders still drank coffee after the word of wisdom came out. And it was listed as an essential item to bring while trekking across the plains. So, And we also learned that they continued to drink alcohol after that time as well.
0: Okay. So just for clarity, we, so the pioneers were crossing in the 1840s. The revelation for the word of wisdom was given in the 1830s. So there's, so like they were still tracking 10 years after and so on. Yep. So Emma Smith wanted revelation to basically get the men to behave themselves and stop making messes that she would have to clean up. And anytime someone wanted more of a drink, she'd have to go and prepare a whole pot. And it was a lot of work that she didn't want to have to deal with. And I totally get that. And like, and like, there was good reasons for like no tobacco, you know, like there's dangerous to alcohol and, you know, like we, we get that, like you should treat your body and healthily and so on. Um, but it's just interesting to see how we've ignored that they did continue to enjoy that and like hot, hot drinks as you know, they were called in the word of wisdom and alcohol and everything. They were still enjoyed, but we only decided to like what, enforce that later on and pretend everyone had been perfectly following the word of wisdom afterward. Yeah. I just have so many feelings about this. I don't even have the words. And I just think it's kind of crazy that we try to police our, each other on certain things like this that we ignore within the church sometimes. But why are we so weird sometimes? Because we'd rather police other people than police ourselves. Oh, there it is. Thank you, Tracy.
1: Anytime. I'm here to drop the truth. Thank you.
0: So remember, when you're worrying about the word of wisdom, pray about it and do what you will.
1: We do have to make it known. I mean, we'll make a post on the Facebook page and our Instagram and our Twitter about this, but we will be having another listener email episode in a couple weeks. Yes, you guys. And so we need your feedback. We need to hear crazy dating stories awful advice that you've gotten from other members of the church either about your love life or about anything in general we want to hear your questions we want to hear anything from you that you feel like needs to be shared live yeah not live
0: but like on With the podcast us, like we will share your story yeah tell us what it's been like being single or not single T- tell us about all the stories that you've heard all the folklore like you like that you've heard about that you've shared maybe everything.
1: Yeah. We want to hear it all. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So again, we'll make an announcement online about that, but we just wanted to get that out before we wrapped up today, because if you thought this episode was fun, just wait until you have another listener episode, episode, listener, episode, episode, (laughs) (laughs) a listener, a a listener email episode. That's what I meant (laughs) to say. Um, (laughs) or we could just call it the listener episode, episode. Um, (laughs) so send us all of your stuff. We need that from you because not only do we love sharing it, but we love reading the things that you send us because sometimes you send us some really outlandish things
0: and it's wonderful. We love it all. Yes. So this episode was super choppy, but super interesting, very (laughs) juicy, um, and we want to be able to continue this sort of vibe with your help. Yes. So we need you.
1: Yeah. So please send you.
0: us some stuff.
1: Maybe I'll make a Google form again, like I did for the toxicity Ooh. in the church episode. Because okay. um, we got a lot of responses from that one. So if you are uncomfortable with giving us like feedback with your name attached to it, we will do the Google form and we'll link it. Yes. So that way y'all can yes, anonymously so send us stuff.
0: We will not interrupt your life. Yeah. We'll just share the juicy bits of it that you let us. Yeah. That's all. So get ready. (laughs) Be on the
1: lookout for that over the next few weeks. And thank you for joining us on this week's
0: episode of the scandalous and spiritual scoop part two. We hope you had some fun. We hope you feel a little bit weirded out now because we sure do. And stay tuned for our following episodes. They're going to be great. Yeah.
1: So thanks for listening again, guys. Thank you. Bye.